0: Welcome to Friday Night Review and uh, this is Albert Bogle here and the wee man that was playing the saxophone has just left the studio. And it's welcome to everyone else, we've got a great group with us, our guests tonight and we have with us tonight, as usual, Lana Digan, our, one of our presenters
1: Ooh.
0: and we have uh, Ian Jimison with us again. as our. our our additional presenter, along with us,
2: Hi there. The wee man playing the saxophone ran out of his inhaler. That would <laughs> be problem. Was wasn't that what
0: it was? <laughs> <it> was? <laughs> Off at the end there. <laughs> and also, we're delighted to have our writer this week, eh, for our prayers and our reflections, is Fiona, Fiona Reynolds.
3: Hello.
0: And looking in eh, from us and joining us today tonight also is Scott Shackleton, who is the principal chaplain of the Royal Navy. And he's also the director of the naval, um, naval ethics program. Then he's the director of the naval, naval Ethic, ethical program. So that will be interesting to have a chat with Scott about that. So here we go. That's it. And uh, how? What's your week been like, guys?
1: Hmm. Kinda. Do you know? I, f- I feel as if the times just gone by so quickly just now. <laughs> and it was. Uh, no, I had had a day where I wasn't feeling too good. So then I, th- I think that kind of um, sent me back. So I feel as if it's been like a super busy week. But I've got a wee, um, I've got an online retreat tomorrow. So um, I'm looking forward to that. So, so. All right. So what's an online retreat? Well, uh, I mean, you it's...
0: Just,
1: you uh, don't go online. <laughs> no, no, and it's. Uh, I think I think it's going to be like uh, prayer and journal writing, and uh, I've been doing um, the sensible shoes book with the the book club, and I had found that um, the woman that wrote the book is doing a, an online retreat. So I had thought I bought myself a ticket because I thought, oh, I think I really need, you know. A retreat. Though no, I'm not sure. I think I could do with a bit of less time online, but I'll I'll take it. You know, to see what it's like. I think it'll be good. But I'm hoping I can share some stuff with my book club. All
0: right, good, good, good. good. I've been on an annual be like? leave last week. Well, annual leave. So, is your album coming off
2: here? Is it going to be ready then? Uh, well, it's no. You see, you see, what what happened was on on um, on Saturday I was on call, so I had an excuse not to go in the studio. And then on Sunday, I thought, you know, I've worked really hard on Saturday, so I'm going to sleep until midday. Then I walked the dog until about five o'clock, and I thought, far too late to go into the studio now. I'm not really going to get expired. <laughs> So what you, just sound, you, you sound like a minister that's trying to write a sermon <laughs>
4: <laughs> and,
2: and this is going on the entire week And the dog walks have been getting longer and longer and longer Just to keep myself away from the house Because Joanne's got a thousand jobs she wants me to do But I found out that if you say I'm going to walk the dog to Joanne That seems to cover everything it doesn't matter if it's could you clean the toilets or could you plant that thing back <laughs> the back garden? As long as you one go outside and buy her plants to plant and two walk the dog, everything's cool. <laughs> so
4: that's
2: oh, well. and an avoiding doing anything in the studio at all. And Fiona, do you
0: have a dog to walk then?
2: I do. I do. What kind of dog have
0: you got?
5: We have a dash Um which is a particularly stubborn breed and won't go out when it's raining. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Uh, a dog for Scotland. No. We got her when it was snowing two years ago and I think that traumatised her ever since. Either that or her belly's too close to the ground and do you know it gets wet and stuff, I don't know. Oh, they're so awful, that's a shame. Probably, should it be, should it be a wee mac on her, maybe? Oh no, no. So if you put anything on her, like my my brother's my brother's girlfriend got her dog, my dog, and my brother's dog each matching Christmas jumpers. The first Christmas we had her, and her dog, my brother's dog, were fine with it. We put it on Caris, and she literally stood still and gave us the evil eye until we took it off her.
2: She was <laughs> I you like drag, dragging a giant hot dog along the street. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the bit
0: that's gone round Facebook just now? These two cats are, are looking at a Greyfriars Bobby and they're saying, your days are numbered, pal.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and the, Neil McLennan Neil will like that because he's a great cat lover. Oh, is that right, Mr. McLennan? He sure is. We have two cats, yes. Waffle and Jinx. And I love dogs too, actually. I just... Don't have a lifestyle for dogs at the minute. Um, <laughs> uh, Neither do I. Well, have you any dogs? Yeah, I've
3: got, predictably, I've got a chocolate Labrador at home, and there's a, a rather charming um, three legged fox in Portsmouth Dockyard, um, oh, beside where I oh. work, and, and it mooches out the back of. Uh, Warrant Officer and Senior Rates mess, and it's quite a cool, quite a cool wee dude. Oh. Um, it seems to be that um not short of foxes at the moment in Portsmouth, thinking about, um, but because it's quieter than normal because of COVID, of course, uh, you're more likely to see them during the day. So it's quite cool if you're going for a run, you see the wee fox coming out. Mm. So yeah, yeah, a mixture of then then come home and get a dog that would chase a fox. It's quite
5: funny. Have the chiefs not invited it in for a drink yet then?
3: No, my pal used to feed it though. (laughs) Yeah, used to sneak out with some sausages after breakfast and it's very tame. It's quite a cute wee thing.
0: Oh has it got a name?
3: I just call it three legged fox.
0: (laughs) 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 It's
3: a bit like calling Peter Peter, you know. It is, it is. what it says in the tin.
2: Royal Royal Navy, renowned renowned for their for their <laughs> the imagination when it comes uh, to the yeah.
3: animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason you call chalky white. You know. <laughs> I could go on, but Jack speaks a bit much.
5: I did warn him about potential language things, Scott.
3: Well bad language or yes. good language mixture <laughs> of both. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> I'll try and be good.
0: Yeah, well, here we go. So, listen, guys. Um, will we start with some of the stuff that's, um, that's been on the site this week. Anything that's drawing your attention, we'll, we'll, we'll look at Fiona's stuff. You know, at some point. But just in general, anything on the site that was of interest to you this week. Um,
1: the new secret courts. Uh, session song was up, another um, song from Duncan, Um, really enjoyed that, so out of that was, uh, I'm I'm really, uh, I'm really getting into the secret chords, so um, it's just this like opening you up to, you know, new music, different styles of music that I wouldn't always listen to, so um, new artists, Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it, and uh, sharing it with people as well, so yes.
0: I, I mean, I think that's one of the key away. things. Yeah, it's trying to get the artists to get the message out to folks. You know, we'd love to hear some of your songs and send them into us because we want to hear them and when, they, when, when maybe, we're out of eh, lockdown, you can want, come and
2: record them. Maybe I want to ask Duffin's about to bring out a new album called Guitar, um, which is a sort of um Spanish classical guitar thing. Um you might want to get him along to do something for you, you know, if he's able oh, to be good. maybe do something like that. I think uh, certainly Ashton Lane, as you know, they're always doing great stuff. Uh but Duffin's got this, this um purely instrumental thing out. Um it might be something to run past them.
3: Yeah, I I, okay. I was I was struck this week, uh linking it into some of the proclaimer stuff that I've been listening to again. And uh, um, they've got a couple of songs. One, I Want to Be a Christian, which is really, it's like a gospel, spiritual, uh, only it's a Scottish gospel, spiritual. And the other one is The Light, which if, if people haven't heard, I think it's worth listening, because it's like the deep groaning of one of the Psalms about the frustration of being someone who's searching and and. Inevitably, life throws challenges towards our faith. I'm being really infuriated by people who are so certain of everything that they just annoy you in terms of their faith. And it, it does read like one of the Psalms. So, um that and Biffy Clyro have come to mind this week for me because we've been doing mental health awareness. And their song Rearrange is, is a phenomenal uh, rock song that looks at someone struggling. Um, so, so again, I, new artists. I just wonder if, if we could persuade the the Proclaimers or Biffy to to put on something as well. well the a lot of people interested. <laughs>
2: you know, mind you, um, Albert, your son knows the Biff quite well. Uh, knows Simon really well.
3: Yeah, my, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a friend of the Kirk, I think. Um, Aye. Yeah, and and you know the Proclaimers, you know I think I know somebody who knows the Proclaimers so. I, I, they might say no, but um, it's just so many of these main artists are writing spiritual songs that the masses listen to. And it's not niche Christian music. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's spiritual music that that is accepted in a way sometimes that church music's not. Do you
0: know I think there's a sense in which, we've been talking about this for a little while, but we'll continue to talk about it because it's worth opening it up is that the Holy Spirit is at work in our world outside the church, you know, so much so that it's almost as though the Holy Spirit has had to close the churches down so that the people in the churches would realise, hey, do you know where I am at the moment? I'm not in your buildings. I'm somewhere else. This is where I am. Now, that's not to say he isn't in our buildings when we worship, but but you know what I'm trying to say is that the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of oh, people who yes. aren't always connected with our church buildings, I mean, the trouble is that when I say this, I get pilloried because people think I'm knocking the church, but I'm not really. But what I'm saying is it's like a prophetic criticism of what it means to mm-hmm. be so locked up in buildings that we forget that the Holy Spirit is out in the world, uh, teaching and reaching and speaking and challenging and drawing people to the presence of, of, like of supposed, Jesus. Him.
1: There's a real, there's a real disruption going on, you know. And, you, and there's a, a shaking, a shaking the everything that's, you know, like established, and and you have to you have to be able to kind of go with that. Then for the, you know, for things to fall away and for it to filter through, I think into the wider culture and to let you know people that that would never probably think about, you know, setting foot inside a church. But the, the this disruption that we're we're going through, the Holy Spirit is just moving and it is awakening people and people are you know I just think people are really starting to you know open their eyes and open their ears and and open their own spirits you know for they're they're seeking they're seeking something um and it's it it's a it's a strange time. And then I think it's strange because it's it's disrupting, you know, what we've been used to traditionally and what we've in mean, the establishment. But I think it's and at the same time, it's so very mm-hmm. exciting to see where the spirit is actually like, leading us. And I think we just have to be open to that because it's definitely, you're right, Albert, it's happening out, outside there. It's
2: it's moving. It's in constant motion. I mean, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit. It's but the thing is, it's not not in the church. It's outside the church and inside the church. It's both places. It's everywhere. It's all along the continuum. We we're, we're living at a time. We're we're living at an incredible time. Um, you know, we're seeing time just now with things moving forward. Um, spiritually, technologically. Uh, so many things are moving ahead that things are the things that we take for granted now like this this thing we are doing right now that people are watching right now this was unthinkable um a couple of decades ago you mm-hmm. you'd never this this just would never have mm-hmm. happened because it could never have happened and yet here 's the Holy Spirit moving amongst people um and and prophetic word words coming out online, you know, in songs and online. As I was going to say, you two have been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. two have been singing, mm-hmm. by God, for years uh, in a really big way. I was arrested. Uh, not arrested, physically arrested, although <laughs> some people might think that should happen at some point. Um, but anyway, um, I was quite, quite arrested in the moment when I was down at U2 uh, in O2 in London and Eugene Peterson had passed away. And right. uh, I stopped the concert and said, I'd just like to dedicate this next song to Eugene Peterson, somebody who taught the gospel to myself, um, to the Edge, and to the members of this band, and is one of the reasons that we're standing here today. And I found that absolutely incredible because almost everybody there, well, maybe not almost everybody, but a large proportion of people who were there would have had no idea who Eugene Peterson was. I know. And yet, I knew that. It want...
5: was incredible, man. Absolutely.
0: It's very interesting. If you want to see that, there's um, a series of interviews that um, Bono did with, um, with Eugene Peterson. You can get it on YouTube. If yep. you just put in yep. YouTube, uh, Eugene Peterson and Bono. But the interesting thing is that <laughs> Eugene Peterson didn't know who Bono
3: was. No. Who's this guy He probably thought it was a Labrador.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this guy Barno?
0: He says I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and seemingly, again, Eugene Peterson is a very kind of private man because I remember um, years ago when I first found out about Eugene Peterson, <clears throat> it was the best kept secret. Joke Steen told me about J- Eugene Peterson in the nineteen eighties and nobody was... no. I I started to buy his books <laughs> and I didn't want other people to know about his books because I thought they were so good. <laughs> <laughs> you used to preach in the message all the time. You're getting the wisdom. Oh, why we can't disclose this to others. You <laughs> know, it's too good.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it. and, and soon we tried to get him to come to the, the Carberry Festival, but it, it was more... He wasn't interested mm-hmm. in going to to do these kind of he didn't want he wasn't someone who was going to be lured onto the the, the conference circuit to to become a conference speaker.
2: Yeah, he you wasn't know. Franklin Graham. He, that he wasn't, was his, Billy Graham that wasn't what he was going to do, you know. No, no, he wasn't all about that. Um, he was an academic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean f- f- fantastic and and as you say, the Biff, you can't, you, do you know what, Scott? You cannot go wrong with a bit of the Biff. There's no doubt.
3: So I saw them in Toulouse. Oh, I couldn't wow. get tickets about three or four years ago. I mean, the missus um, uh, managed to get a cheap flight out to Toulouse.
5: Wow. And
3: uh, we went in quarantine, of course, back then. And the great thing about it was normally when you go to a concert, especially in Scotland, it's absolutely toppers and it's very hard to, to get a view. Um, it, it was like 500 people in a venue. It oh. was very civilised, and mm. it was three quarters full. Wow. And they played, we, we saw them twice on that tour, and they played as good as uh, a three-quarter filled stadium in Toulouse. Uh, it was awesome. So here's a top tip. If you love the Biff and you can't get tickets in Scotland, um, go and see them in Europe. Me and really Mrs. J really will be doing it.
2: that very thing.
3: Honestly, and it, what was really nice was as we were walking in, we met loads of uh, jocks. who'd <laughs> flowing over, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a wee band of us, you know, because we couldn't get the tickets anywhere else. But again, um, you, you read some of the lyrics, you know. Um, I, th- I think for me, and 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 spending my pretty much my whole ministry working with people who are non-churched. They, they, they don't even know what you're talking about when you say Holy Spirit. So, you know, we have to start at the beginning. What, what do we mean by the Holy Spirit? You know, this is gobbledygook. Uh, what does ruach mean in Hebrew? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about it's a wind in your face that you can't see. that sends a shiver up your spine. When you encounter pure love, pure goodness. And, and I think one of the big changes that we need to we need to embrace, and we didn't do this at the end of the First World War when we did the reviews of what the ordinary person thought about chaplaincy in church. We didn't listen to the fact that people at Woodbine Willie said, we need to speak, speak in a kingdom vernacular that people can understand. The non-dogmatic language. And that's, for me, what Bono did when his first 12-hour signal, Gloria, came out. Uh-huh. And I remember as a teenage lad, a young Christian lad, son of the man's, and thinking, look, th- these guys are the sponsors of Jesus of Nazareth. You know?
1: Yeah. yeah. They
3: weren't niche. It was, it was awesome. And I felt I could say to people, I was like them. I believed in this. Do
0: you know something? you know, it's, I read somewhere that Billy Graham,
3: Bono
0: went to visit Billy Graham, Billy Graham spoke to Bono and said to him, "Bono, you're, you're, you're the new evangelist."
3: Well, he, was, well, he was for a lot of us, I think.
0: You know, and so Graham was realizing that here was this, this, this another communicator in another level, bringing the gospel to
2: people's lives. You know, it's the same as but, well. I think Stormzy as well. I think in fairness, though, yeah, for, yeah. for for Bono and and. You know, maybe for Stormzy, but he knows his Bible. Yeah, I mean, Bono knows his Bible. Do you know he's, he's he's actually the what's interesting about Bono is I think we so much these days want people not to be the real deal because with every behind every hero that we push up, we want to tear them down. So there's got to be some fatal flaw. There's got to be something wrong with them or some lie they've told. Do you know what I mean? And if and even if they haven't, we want to find one. Can he really get anything in Bono? We Can not get anything in Bono other than that he's really good? And, and how
3: he can he be was really good? get in the 1980s? You know? Yeah. a <laughs> of a mullet. He's here. Bono will be listening oh, oh, to Bono wasn't wearing there. his glasses at the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Ian doesn't have a problem with that because he ended up being mullet in the 1980s himself.
3: <laughs> I think we all had, but don't tell
2: anyone. <laughs> yeah. oh, how, dare, how dare you say it makes such a scurrilous accusation? But no photographic evidence to back that, Albert Bogle.
0: <laughs> Can I just say, <clears throat> um, going back to maybe some of the stuff that, that um, <clears throat> Fiona's been writing about this week, <clears throat> we had our we have our, our a Tuesday night connect group. Let's Done over Zoom as well from, from sanctuary first, and one of our members is a is a is a was a, a seaman who's just back from being a, in quarantine for I think so many months in his ship, and he was just released this week and went home. But we were looking at Psalm eight, and he could identify very much with what you were writing there, Fiona, about the majesty and the greatness of God and in, in the stars. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. you know that it's all almost only. He was saying you could only really see it if you're at, if you're in the middle of the sea at night. You know, and and there's not there's no more there's no pollution there's no there's no light pollution. You know, it's uh, and he, he was on. It was interesting what he said. He said the re- the the real darkness. The darkness becomes the light. You know, and Mm -hmm. it was almost as he said, you can see everything in the darkness. And it's quite interesting. That whole picture that you painted was really in that that reflection. I I would like to know how you
2: felt when you wrote that, Fiona.
5: How I felt as I wrote it? Yes, that's
2: what I'd like to know. Um,
5: In in some ways, I kind of transported myself back to being at sea. And so I felt, you know, I was trying to put myself back in that position. and 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 see and feel the the memory and that sense of both awe and um, and and calm, you know that kind of I suppose peace, shalom, that kind of that wholeness type thing. I have to say afterwards, I I felt a bit sad because I do miss my Navy days at times. And I particularly miss the, I don't miss the being sick in sea state 10s and stuff. But I do miss some of those amazing things I wouldn't otherwise have experienced. So it was, it was, it it was a little bit bittersweet in that sense.
3: Well, we miss you Fiona.
5: Oh, bless you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I find it quite
2: a moving thing because I'm hugely anxious about my own son going to sea. Uh, he ships out in, in February um, right. he's with the Merchant Navy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, And currently they're on, uh, they, you know, they can't move between ships. And there's a lot of guys stuck out there working on shifts who've maybe now been on, you know, not deployment. Because I, I keep falling into Luke's vernacular because... He's the guy I talked to in the Navy. Um, yeah. But they've been on whatever it is that they do in the merchant. Yeah, I think they're rotations or something. Yeah, they're rotations and stuff. Um, so anyway, he's he, he, he can't get on a ship because a lot of these guys are just stuck out there. They've been out there for a year now, some of them.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the captains have had to take things which the companies would normally fire them for. Uh, kinds of action to uh, countries which are not insisting on quarantine rules, etc., to get people off ship and get people relieved so that they can actually stop working um, and get a sense of order and sleep back. But it gave me a sense of peace because I've always, I've always been worried about the fact that it's the one. This is probably why he's gone. By the way, but it's the one place in the world I can't really get to. Do you know? I can't help him. If some- <laughs> Because I can't help him out, that's fixed. There's nothing I can do about it. And um and probably that's why he wants to go. I don't know. You'll need to bring him on one time in Um mm-hmm. But it gave me a sense of peace and calm, actually, to be honest. Yeah. At a time when I kind of needed it, because in my walks with Rufus, um, sometimes I'll listen to music and podcasts, but sometimes I won't. I'll just listen to the thoughts in my own head. Um, and they tend to revolve around very similar themes, you know, how's Robbie going to be when he ships out to sea? And, you know, if we got enough money in the bank account, is my credit card going to be knocked back again? And all this kind of
3: stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the most, uh, unique experiences in life, especially if you're, if you're on a long journey across the Atlantic as an example, and, and it would be that type of trip, in the middle of the Atlantic when you look up and, and if, if it's a quiet sea and the moon's out and, uh, and the stars are out, it's, it's well, the moon will actually be quiet for you to see the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really very special. It's like you get a similar sensation when you're up on top of a mountain top with no ambient lighting. Uh, and you you actually feel as if you're connected to the cosmos. Uh, so it's both vast and yet very close. Um, and I think that's why seafarers they have a connection because th- this is a common experience that those of the land don't get the chance to 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 experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, this is a plug, obviously, for for people to go to sea. <laughs> Even go on a cruise, you'll, yeah. you'll get a pretty good but, cruise across the Atlantic if you've got the money. I think, you know, actually, what, what, one of the
0: things that kind of, dis, I find myself also, as I read that, Sam, yeah, you're talking about the sense of peace, but I also find myself being challenged because it went on to say, what is, what is human beings, what is humanity, that you're mindful of them and you've made them a little lower than God's or a little lower than the angels. And crowned them with glory, and then goes on to say, and then you've <clears throat> given them dominion over the world, to to, to 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 take care of it, to have a a responsibility for it. So in the midst of all this amazing uh, grandeur, then we're told, you know, we ins- we feel insignificant, but yet the psalm almost says, but you're not, because you know, are a little lower than God himself. And and then you've got a responsibility for the creation around you. And that's challenging because it brings us into this whole area of ecology and how we need to be more attentive to the world in which we're living in, which, again, eh, the lockdown has brought us back to that place again, eh, of maybe seeing the stars again and the, the clarity of the world around us and hearing the birds singing as we're talking about and bringing us back. To
2: what we're responsible for, but do you know what Albert? What an absolute mess! What we, you know humanity has been making. I, I was listening to a thing, um, a, a thing about a guy, this rich Texan guy, that's been to the lowest parts of the ocean, lowest seven parts of the ocean, uh, all around the world, and he was talking about his experiences, and he said he was, he was just devastated that at the very bottom. Of the Indian Ocean, just about as far down in the planet as you can go, at a place where there should be stillness, there shouldn't be anything. What did he find ten yards away? But a bit of plastic bag. Mm. I, I just, I just, that that really brings it home to me that we we honestly need to take a We, do you know we have an emergency right now, and. It, I resonate with the fact there are other emergencies going on at, at the same time, but there's also an ecological emergency as well. And we really need to, we, if, do you know what? If you're finding plastic bags at the bottom of the ocean, that's terrifying. That's actually terrifying.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's what people are saying, that the church, in the midst of all this crisis, is an opportunity for us to rebalance and refocus what is important in the gospel message. You know, and what that gospel message should be, you know, in, in, in the heart of it all, you know, in justice and caring for the creation, but also yeah. valuing yeah. individuals.
3: For, for me, one of our theological challenges <clears throat> is to move the focus away from Christianity being about your personal salvation and, and rather it being about your stewardship. Uh, It's Genesis one to three. Genesis one to three is the Bible. Just read it straight through, and you you come to Revelation, and it's a reference straight back to Genesis one to three. So it's hardly surprising, knowing Genesis one to three, that there's plastic in the seas. Um, Mm -hmm. We we know that, um, and and that's why we're not gods. Um, But uh, I think for me the the, the question is, how do we become corporately uh, responsible rather than individually? Because um, it's not about personal salvation. Um, it's about a people of faith, a family of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think at, at times we've overemphasized the personal salvation thing as if it's an insurance policy.
0: and yeah. I don't do you, think you know, that's
3: necessarily uh, biblical. I think it's a misleading. Well, it's text. not
0: biblical. Because you're right, if you think of the teaching uh, about the body of Christ that, that Paul gives us, you know, in Corinthians 12, he says, <clears throat> we, are all, we are all part of the body of Christ, and we all have a part to play in that. And <clears throat> therefore, if I, if I do something wrong, if I sin, I cause the whole body to sin. And therefore, I have a corporate responsibility to the whole body, to the whole community. You know, and so this Christian discipleship is is a it's a tall order for us all because we all have a responsibility to one another because we're part of the body of Christ. But, You know, that's uh that
1: a, I, I, one. I Fiona's um was it Tuesday? Tuesday the one <coughs> um one big ocean. But that that day what that was the line that really stuck out for me was um Well, it was two lines. So what makes one boat more seaworthy than another? And I know you were talking about, you know, like you were referring to the coronavirus in this one. But actually, this could really, you know, it could, it could cross the board, isn't it? It does. It really could work for lots. But but it was this line. um, What if the master of every boat in our current storm was legally obliged to save one another? And I think again that works across the board because you know, like we've been able to, and I've said this before. I think I've said it quite a few times. You know, we were able to get a consensus for like the COVID that we all work together and we all try to sort this out. Well, it's the same for for our climate. You know, if the will's there, you know, we could all, you know, because we're all obliged to look after our planet. You know, and it's the same way the poorest people. And in our world, we are obliged, you know, to, to, you know, look after our brothers and sisters around the world. So that really, that that day, that really struck out for me, that because, and it just sums up what we've been talking about there. And I think, I'm just remembering, I think the the reflection that comes up tomorrow
5: links in a little bit, um, Scott might remember back in the late 90s early noughties there was an advert for the Royal Navy called it used this phrase who wants to be just a cog in the machine and it depends on the machine right and it's this idea that we are all interconnected and and again I quote that it was my favorite advert it was as I was joining and I was so excited about the whole thing but this idea that the person at the lowest the bottom of the ladder is just as important as the top so Your lowliest seaman is as important as your captain and and that sense of 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 not just being responsible for each other but also being vulnerable enough to rely on one another um i'm so I'm, I mean I'm so thankful for my native base because it gives me so much stuff that I think crosses over into church mm-hmm. um, but there's a sense of us all being in the same boat in terms of us working together, but also I was really taken by this idea you know, when, when they were talking about this stuff, about different boats, different oceans and stuff. And I'm thinking, I, I remember spending a couple of weeks digging out all the naval law and international law about what you do when you pick people out of the water and stuff, you know. And, but people don't know these things. And, and so it's really interesting when you start picking at a metaphor, what, what unravels.
0: You know, we're all in different boats, you're right. And some of us aren't even in boats. I was talking to some of my colleagues in Fine Trust today, and Alec, who's the new chairman, was telling me that he had just got some information back from Peru. And uh, the work that we do in the Amazon, not the Amazon, you know, with the ship, you know, being told, look, it'll be, it'll be a long time before you can take the ship up. Because the minute, if anybody goes on, on the ship, if the the COVID comes into the ship, or COVID comes into the ship, it will go through the whole air system. And, you know, so people working on the ship can't work on the ship. And then he was going on talking about, uh, in Lima, um, Lima's surrounded with all these shanty towns. I mean, and they're all, people are all living very close to one another. And in these shanty towns, the way they get their, their, their livelihood is they've all got to come into Lima for work, and of course the poor, nobody, nobody's furloughed in Peru because there's, there's nobody caring, and they've got, and the poor have got to come in to look for their work, and when they come in, they 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 bring they bring the the, the virus with them, but also they take the virus out and spread it amongst themselves, and it's the same now going into the going to the jungle areas and into the indigenous population, and that's the same story in India in parts of india where all these people are close to one another <clears throat> we're not all in the same boat <clears throat> and different boats and some people are drowning and 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 that's again i noticed that one of the one of the politicians a few weeks back about a month ago was a was actually encouraging the the, the, the governments of the world to start putting resources into some of the the really poorer countries because when Covid hits them; they're not going to be able to.
2: They're not going to be able to cope. Hundred percent. On the same vein, I thought some of the. (coughs) I felt there was there was a kind of longing though about this week's writings that uh, that I find parakeet for example is a new word for me. Right, I've heard of a parakeet. I kind of got that. So paraclete was that was a new one on me. Um, but the idea of the you know, can't see where is Christ? I, do, Fiona, what what's your thinking? But unpack that one for me, if you don't mind. Which one, the one about where is Christ or the paraclete? Yeah, earth. incarnate Christ, you walk beside humanity, close enough to know mm-hmm. our circumstances and guide us. We plead our cause compassionately. We wrestle with your apparent absence, <clears throat> wondering why you had to leave earth and resenting those first disciples for seeing you. See that emotion right there? I felt that.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: I felt, do you know what? It was all right for these guys. <laughs> they come about with Jesus. <laughs> they don't have to get up. Tomorrow morning <clears throat> and do it all again. Do you know what I mean? They had they hung about with this great guy, you know. I need to connect with Jesus in different ways. So what I would ask you to do, Fiona, if you don't mind, for it, is unpack some of the theology of that. Let me know what was going oh. on.
5: I, I wasn't thinking theologically. <laughs> was good, good. <laughs> um, I I think there is a thing of. Um, I suppose one of my own things when it comes to people questioning your faith, you know, when people say to you, oh, how can you know it's true? Or how can you believe in God? Or, you know, was Jesus really? All those kind of questions. Um, and one of the things I keep coming back to when, when, I, when I ask myself that question, and I ask myself it fairly regularly, you know, uh, why do I believe? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, one of the things I keep coming back to is the disciples after Jesus was raised and then ascended, sorry, that's my dog at the door, Um, all the disciples, or the vast majority of disciples, went to horrendous deaths holding to the fact that they saw Jesus risen. And I can't imagine 12 blokes who ran away at the crucifixion kept it together to face horrendous deaths um, when, you know, when all they could say is like, oh, we made it up. We just stole his body, you know. And, and for me, that's, that, that's as close to proof as I've, I've come across in terms of that. Beyond that is my own experience, if you like, of the Holy Spirit at the times. And they're usually at, at some of the, the lowest times in my life. Um, uh, one of my professors at university um, said, when you hit rock bottom, you realize who your rock is
2: ah yeah that's good I like that
5: which I think is beautiful yeah. um, and and so for me there's that sort of combination of this wrestling between I'm, I'm having to I'm having to in some ways trust the testimony of, of of 12 random dudes who went to horrendous deaths you know sticking by the fact that they saw Jesus risen but I also know that I have that sense of of God with me, the Holy Spirit, at times, at great times in my life, you know, but also at those times when I absolutely most needed to know that God was real. Um, and I think that's some of what's behind that. But the, do you know, when it is tough, when people ask you awkward questions, you're like, oh, it'd been so much easier <laughs> if I could say, well, it was a blocus. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I push them, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I,
1: I, I mean, I found I, myself I, I, um so sorry, Ian.
2: Sorry. No, no, shoot,
1: shoot Laura. Shoot, shoot. Um I found myself throughout this week reading out. I felt the the that your work um should be read out, you know, and then it meant more to me and I could I could play with the words then and the phrasing, so as then that I was able to kind of get a diff you know, I was trying to get to the sense. I felt that mm. they could kinda of, play with it in a kind of sense, you know, It kind of like, you know, where was the, you know, where was it touching me, you know, what emotion was coming out, and then trying to get us, you know, and like playing with the different, different emotions and seeing the words out, you know, I felt that it was a, there was a couple of them that really, you know, really worked well for that, um, and it just gave me a different, um a different kind of sense of the meaning, and that, the paraclete was one of them that I really, that I really played with. Because um, it's a shame James isn't on the night because James would have been <laughs> quite <laughs> excited yeah. like He loves this much.
0: kind of stuff, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: James,
5: James always, always, always sees stuff in my writing when I send it to them that I would... I, I, there's times when I don't know how I produce what I produce. <laughs> you know, I look back because, you know, I wrote these things a couple of weeks ago and I, and I sit every week, every morning almost as surprised at you as... What comes up, you know? Did I write that? That sounds pretty good,
3: too. I thought you were quite brave. Uh, Really? Yeah, I I thought you were. What struck me, Paraclete didn't strike me because I don't know what that, that's unrecognisable. You know, that's just whatever. Um, What did strike me was you referred to God as Mother. And that took me to the book The Shack.
5: Mm.
3: which takes me to an understanding of the Trinity, which takes me to the Holy Spirit being, um, what's it called? Sariu. And Sariu is a will of the wisp female.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that reflects on Sophia as divine wisdom, uh, particularly within, within the wisdom literature, where um, divine wisdom is, is, takes female form for the biblical writers. And that to me suggests a gentleness, a lightness of touch, a, a, a love. Uh, that, that is the opposite of how one might perceive the father, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And it's complementary. And and I think your writing and I think the writing of, of the shack has brought a great deal of solace to people who ask the question, where is God? I've used it several times with very sad pastoral cases where people have asked the question, why? Where is God? And obviously we're very careful as pastors how we answer these questions at these times. But I I actually think if people are up to reading The Shack is, 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 is something that opens their eyes to where God is at the time, even though it's quite a difficult reading at the start. So, mm-hmm. so I, I'd like to thank you for your bravery. Uh, we often go safe uh, in a way that the Bible writers were never safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so well done for that. know,
5: I think. Okay,
3: sorry.
5: I was going to say it's really interesting you picked up on that bit and the, and the mother. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do my own, in a verse, commerce, translation of the Genesis was I wanted to emphasise the feminine of the Ruach, the, the yeah. fact that Ruach is a feminine yeah. noun. Um, and that was my sole reason for to, <laughs> to doing that, was oh. to point out. Blatantly, and then of course after I sent it, I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to get hate mail from you know certain people, or I'm going to be called a heretic. You know I mean, um, I mean but
0: we've <laughs> not really, you know, because we've we've done this before in Sanctuary First, by the way. See, Fiona's not the first writer who's brought this up, and what we simply do is I've had people write to me and ask me about it, and do you know something? See, once you explain to people that you're not trying to be controversial, but you're being true to what is in the in the script and what the language is, and you explain that. Do you know, people might say, some people have got back to me and said, I'm not sure about that, but I understand that now. Thank you for that. So they might not buy into it completely, but they do, because there is something, it's as though you've opened a window for someone to say yes. And that's what Sanctuary First is about. We're not interested in trying to promote our own hobby horses, but we are trying to help us all, get a deeper glimpse of Jesus and and, and what the gospel is. And the, the most important point of all of that, which makes it orthodoxy and, and, and generous orthodoxy, is that we're talking about not the Holy Spirit as it, but as a person and the personhood of God. And this is what we're talking about, that we are, reflected images of the personhood of god and living in community so that takes us into a whole new area but it's it's so important that's the big picture that people needs to grasp not whether it's male or female
3: again that that takes us straight back to genesis one to three you know uh, created out of the chaos and image of god what what does that mean both male and female
0: and, you know, we ne- this was a nice wee break so, so we can maybe listen to Duncan's song, A Fool for Jesus. But, you know, there comes a the point where you can never, ever prove God by logic. You know, logic is a tool to help you understand something, but you will never understand love through logic. And if anybody, you know, wants to talk about their love and then explain that it was the most logical thing they could do to love someone, then somehow the the person being loved won't want you to love them logically. And and it's there's a foolishness about love. And and when people see that love for Christ in our lives, sometimes they say, you know, what's that? You know, it's just foolish. And and was it is Paul talks about the preaching of the cross. To those who are perishing is foolish and uh, so the, the Duncan's song, can, Neil have you got it? Come over, we listen to it, and maybe just comment on it in, in, in the light of this conversation. Hi there, my name's uh, Duncan and it's nice to be back again, I've got another song for you today, um, it's, it's good to be back for the secret chord uh, sessions behind the big red door um, and this uh, song is called Fool for Jesus, so I hope you, I hope you enjoy it.
4: I'll be a fool for Jesus I won't be ashamed of his name I'll be a fool for Jesus Cause he was a fool for me
1: He walked through
4: the streets with his fishermen Spreading a gospel of peace. He stormed the temple like a madman. And drove out the sellers and thieves. Known as the friend of the sinner. He would not condemn the accused. He reached out to lepers and hookahs and healed the cursed and abused. He picked up his cross like a criminal and scorning its shame, he went on, dragging it straight up the hill. On a tree he was hung So I'll be a fool for Jesus I won't be ashamed of his name I'll be a fool for Jesus Cause he was A crowd of thoughts. So what do I say when I say face? What is my reputation? His father's son how's you like, kid? Uh, Duncan's son.
1: Just so beautiful, isn't it? It really is. It's same, um, and it's uh I I just love that. I love how it's kind of paired back, you know, just the piano and that wee bit of guitar, and because you really have to focus then on the lyrics, you know, and it's just uh, uh just beautiful.
2: Yeah. I can hear Elton John all over that. My producer's hat and antenna just waving away there. I'm thinking, yeah, you'd have it very quiet and then there'd be a big thing in the middle and then right at the very end, just the piano and the voice there would just, would suit it very, very nice, I think. It's lovely. It's beautiful, bit of music.
0: It's always got a sense of a lament in it as well, isn't it? There's a kind of sadness that's there, you know, in...
1: I know because it made me think. Some of the imagery made me think of some of the. Uh, I, I had uh, did in my my first time at university. I did uh, historical English, and I became. Um, I was writing uh, like the Anglo-Saxon poetry, and some of that you know the imagery that's used. Um, I could I could sense my. I think maybe that's why I really felt really drawn to it because I just. Um, it just kind. It was quite quite earthy, and um, I think it would it speaks to people. You know, it really speaks to them that they can just you know get it.
0: Well, yeah, I think it speaks to people just now because I think we're not ready for triumphalism, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we we're we're in the place of lament just now, mm-hmm. and also that sometimes following Jesus means taking up a cross it means going through really really hard difficult times and uh, not always seeing the light you know uh, but that doesn't mean to say you can't hang in there believing the light will come but it's you know. i
2: think albert you used to say a lot about that about you know the 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 the, the, dar- the darkness can exist but the minute you turn on the light it doesn't exist anymore it just requires mm-hmm. that light to light up Does The darkness, darkness go when we turn on the light, it disappears. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a, it can be an impermanent thing. Mm-hmm. Um darkness. There very few places on this planet are truly dark are true darkness, but I think people can find true darkness. Um and that that says that. I think that, that whole that whole idea of, you know, being a fool. Um <laughs> You know, it, it's that think There used to be an old song called Fool's Wisdom" many, many years ago. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful song. You know, it, Malcolm. I got myself some wisdom from a leather-bound book. Got myself a savior when I took a second look. Um, do you know what I mean? I, th- I think, I think there's that whole idea, and and Fiona looks at it in this week's ratings about you know we believe in something unseen um that must be real difficult though in in the navy scott how do you how do you do that
3: you know the this i, I love the song but uh it, it it spoke to me of the the challenge that you face as as a chaplain um working for an institution that's um not the church, um, and doesn't exist in any shape or form um, to be religious, and looks at the money it spends on on the chaplaincy um, as something that's an asset for the institution. Um, and in terms of spirituality and belief, you're measured. Against worldly rulers, and your your conversation is about what worth um, does being a fool for christ bring to the to, to the institution because people are now largely um non practicing believers or non believers seventy percent of the royal navy um would indicate a a christian faith of sorts but the vast majority will not be church attenders Um, which is why something like sanctuary first is a means of us um, reaching people who just won't do church for whatever reason Um, and at times I, i know the chaplains the chaplains feel fools because the language we may be used, isn't the language of of the culture. And it's a tough gig for them because you can be made fun of an awful lot. Um, and, and that's part of your calling. And if you're going to be a missionary and you've got a missionary heart, chaplaincies where you got to be because it's way beyond the doors of church. Um, and you know often you you can 't use religious language I, this discussion about being a fool for Christ I would probably turn into one being about ethics and good behavior. Are you on the side of goodness? Do you oppose um racism discrimination gender discrimination? Will you stand up for the the little person uh, when when they're under pressure um for me that is being a fool for christ and in, in the real world and not in the church um and, and you know paul well, made. listen t- that's what he did listen, we've had
0: a great time tonight Do you know that's our hour up? it's now oh. we've been on here for an hour tonight I and mean, we could go on longer but maybe this is just a good place to stop where we're just um Scott brings it all round to to be a witness for Christ is sometimes to be seen as a fool, and yet we're called to do there to go and wherever we are to be a witness for Jesus and to stand up for the things that mean about talk about truth and integrity and love and reconciliation and seeking to bring together and reconcile the world and reconcile one another people to one another, so. You know that's part of our calling as as God's people. So listen guys, we've had a really interesting time tonight. It's been so good having you with us, Fiona. Uh, for thank you for coming and sharing with us this week and sharing your your insights and we'll we'll get one more tomorrow. And then I think uh, I think I've got a feeling I think we start with Jonathan Fleming. I think he's coming up on on the um and Sunday, that's something down your way, Ian. Aye, I'll chin him about that if I see him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so that's what we're coming up. And, of course, Sunday, uh, our, our service on Sunday is based around this whole idea of casting. Uh, how do we cast, casting a net, and what does it mean to cast? Uh, and uh, we're looking at that. That's going to be the theme for next week, actually, how, how we cast the net and what that means. So we've got, again, Sunday, We've got the Masood coming in. Masood is one of the one of those who have been seeking um, um, support here in, in the UK from Pakistan. Persecuted Christian has come and looking for refugee um, status and support, and has been going through difficulties. But that's been happening, uh, and he's part of the congregation up in Apostle Park in in Glasgow. He's going to be sharing with us on Sunday. And uh, we've got uh, Virginia in from Mexico as well, going to be Bible reading on Sunday. So we've got a good mix, the uh, world, world view in the service on Sunday. And uh, by the way, if you, if you feel like joining us, let me know. Uh, Fiona and, and, and Scott will send you the link so you can be part of the, the, the team in the front on the Zoom link if you want to be a part of that. But, uh, but guys, thank you so much for your contribution tonight. Thank you to you, Scott, for being with us and for your contribution. And um, to you, Ian, as usual, thank you for being with us. And to you too, Laura, thank you. Take care. So, See everybody. And God to those of you church. listening in, thank you for being with us until next week. And of course, to Neil, who sat quietly there and said too much, but thank you again, Neil, for your help and your contribution okay. to making all this work. See you, See yes. Ian, everyone.
3: God bless. All right. See you, Fiona.